0: found on page 3 in the Pew Bibles, Genesis chapter 1, verses 20 through 31. Hear the word of God. And God said, let water teem with living creatures, and let the birds fly above the earth across the vault of the sky. So God created the great creatures of the sea and every living thing with which the water teems, and that moves about in it according to their kinds and every winged bird according to its kind. And God saw that it was good. God blessed them and said, Be fruitful and increase in number and fill the water in the seas and let the birds increase on the earth. And there was evening and there was morning the fifth day. And God said, Let the land produce living creatures according to their kinds and livestock creatures that move along the ground, and wild animals, each according to its kind. And it was so. God made the wild animals according to their kinds, and livestock according to their kinds, and all the creatures that move along the ground according to their kinds. And God saw that it was good. Then God said, Let us make man in our image, and our likeness, and let them rule over the fish of the sea and the birds of the air, over the livestock, over all the earth. And over all the creatures that move along the ground. So God created man in his own image. In the image of God, he created him. Male and female, he created them. God blessed them and said to them, be fruitful and increase in number. Fill the earth and subdue it. Rule over the fish of the sea and the birds of the air, over every living creature that moves on the ground. Then God said, I give you every seed bearing plant on the face of the whole earth and every tree that has fruit with it, with seed in it, they will be yours for food. And, all, and to all the beasts of the earth and all the birds of the air and all the creatures that move on the ground, everything that has breath of life in it, I give every green plant for food, and it was so. God saw all that he had made, and it was very good. And there was evening, and there was morning, the sixth day. This is the word of God for the people of God. You may be seated. So, with new technology come new problems. <laughs> I, um, my little thing I had last week, the pointer, for whatever reason, is not working well today. So I'm gonna try it with my iPad, but if it doesn't work, I'm just gonna set it down, keep talking. So, we go back to creation. Today's stained glass window that we, I made the video about was the window in the back, back there, with the hand of God coming down and reaching out to create the world, but we only read a small part of the creation story in Genesis chapter 1. If we go all the way back to Genesis chapter 1 and we read the whole thing, all 30 verses, we start out, as we all know, I'm sure, by God saying, in the beginning, God created the heavens and the earth. Seven words, seven of the most powerful words in all of scripture. Why? Now, I could talk for probably a couple of hours just about those seven words and what they mean, but I won't do that to you. But just know that they are very powerful. It's showing God's power, his presence, how mighty he is right from the beginning. There is no question. It's not like God has to build up his resume. He's God. Here I am. Let there be light. What more? What more do we want? But what did God do? So I want to talk about some of the things that God did. He brought order from chaos. He brought light from darkness. He formed the earth, and he created life. And Genesis chapter 1 goes step by step through that. He separated the light from the darkness. What does that mean? Basically, if you can think of something that is complete chaos... Some of you might say, oh, that's my brain. I know I used to say that many years ago. I felt that my brain was in complete chaos. But just if we can even imagine what chaos looks like, you can't even imagine. Because whatever you're imagining, there's even order to that. It is beyond anything that we can ever comprehend. It was just so formless and nothing. It just was empty. But God brought it all together and kept it together and we live in it now and we take it for granted in a way because it's ordered he brought the earth together he formed the stars he there were no stars there were no planets there was nothing just complete utter void and chaos and he brought it all together and ordered it and then he created the light in the darkness light from the darkness And he formed the earth, and then he started to create life. And in this life, he said to let there be seed-bearing plants of their kind growing on the land. So we know that trees and plants come from a seed. If we take a cucumber seed, and we put it in the ground, and we put water on it, and we wait a couple days, we're going to see something start to pop out. Now, if we bury it deep, we might have to dig it up, but something will pop out of that seed. How does it know to do that? How does it know? It doesn't have a brain, but yet it knows that it's in dirt. It knows that it can thrive. It knows that it can grow. That's the power of God. And every year, at least in my yard, these little tiny things that if you're not wearing shoes, I know you should wear shoes outside, they poke you, little acorns, they come from an oak tree and all of these acorns they want to get planted into the ground and make more oak trees i got 2 in my yard that's enough i don't need hundreds of oak trees in my yard what a mess that would be but they reproduce trees reproduce plants reproduce and then more and more grow if we take a, a field and just leave it alone over the years we'll see various kinds of plants that will get will grow there because their seeds get scattered among the place, and then God said, "Let the sky be filled with birds, and let the waters teem with fish." Okay, so the birds are in the sky, and the waters are in the, f- or the fish are in the waters. Okay, so again, showing His wonderful power to create. Has anybody ever ever created a bird or a fish? And I don't mean a, a picture or even a, a 3D model or something. No, we have never created life. Never. We we think we can duplicate life, but we really can't. If we really think about it, we can't duplicate life. I know they cloned a sheep back in the 70s or 80s, but that's not creating life. They cloned it, they didn't create it. But God created these things specifically for the sky, specifically for the waters. And that was the end of another day. And then God said, let the land produce living creatures according to their kind. And unfortunately, this is where we get snakes and spiders on this day. But we also get dogs and cats and and elephants and rhinoceroses and tigers and bears and all the living creatures, cows and horses. They all were created by God on the land on the fifth day okay? But then God said something else, didn't he? That wasn't enough, was it? I mean, you got a planet full of birds in the air, fish in the sea, and animals on the ground, but it's not enough, is it? God had to go a little further, and he said, let us create man in our image. That's where we come from. He created us. Now, Why did I tell you all these things? This is where it gets really important. Okay, so God created man, and now we know he created all these things. Do fish live outside of water? No. When a bird makes a nest, other than I think it's a pheasant that makes a nest on the ground, most birds make their nest where? Somewhere up in the air. Right? Now, I once saw an eagle's nest and it was on the ground, but I tell you, I had to climb 600 feet up a mountain to see that eagle's nest up in the air. Fish reproduce in the water, birds reproduce in the air, animals reproduce on the ground. Do animals, other than like dolphins and whales and other mammals that live, in the sea? Are there any other mammals? Do you ever see an elephant living in the water? Do you see a dog live in the water? Do you see a dog fly? Now, sometimes the cat will surprise you and jump out of nowhere, and it seems like he's flying, but no, they don't fly, okay? They live on the ground. Every creature that God created lives where it was created, Fish live in the sea, birds live in the air, animals live on the ground. So where do we live? Well, we live on the ground, right? Yeah, sure, because of gravity, we put our feet on the ground. It's the way God designed things. But where do we live? Jesus told us that unless you are born again, you shall not see the kingdom of heaven. Unless you are born again. We're born once to our mother and our father but are we really alive at that point? We are a living thing, but we will die. But unless we are born again, we won't live forever. So where do we live? We live in the, wa- the place where we were created. And God said, let us create man in our image. We live in God. If we try to live outside of God, it's not gonna be good. Oh, we can. We'll survive for a short time. I can take a fish out of water, and it'll survive for a short time. I can take a robin and put it underwater. It'll survive for a short time. They don't like to live where they're not created. We can live outside of God for longer than the fish out of water or bird in the water. We can live longer without God, but we will die. So God created us that we will live in him jesus said that i and the father are one and then he told his disciples that i you abide in me and i will abide in you what does this mean what's all this in and out well let's look at creation again he brought something from nothing he created this world out of nothing and he put an atmosphere around it to kind of hold it in. He put gravity, he created gravity to kind of hold it all together so it doesn't just fly apart. He created the world that we live in. Then he created the animals and the birds and the fish, but he created us and he, he put the skin on us that keeps us from just falling into a blob. Did you realize that, that your skin is holding everything in? It's keeping all the bad stuff out and keeping all the good stuff in? He created us so that we would be formed and have structure. Otherwise, we would just fall apart. Well, he did this not only to show power, but to show us where we need to live. You see, the good is what's on the inside and all the bad's on the outside. And the bad's trying to get in, but the inside wants to remain good. So when Jesus comes in, that's what makes us good. Otherwise, we are a product of the bad on the outside. But when we let Jesus into our heart, it changes everything. I mean everything. And then we start to live, and then we are thriving in the one who created us. Because he is inside us, we're now alive. But if he's not in there, we're dead. I hate to be so blunt, but it's the truth. You absolutely cannot live without Jesus in your life. Oh, you can survive for a short time, just like a fish out of water, and that's what you'll be, if you pardon the metaphor. You'll be a fish out of water. You won't be living the way God wants you to live, because you're not in him, the creation. If you take a bird and you confine it to the ground, it will not be living the way it wants to live because it's not the way it was created. You take an elephant and force it to live in water, it'll eventually die. And I don't, I mean, you can give it an ecosystem where it can breathe, but it's still going to die because it's not where it was created to be. That's why we have wars in this world. That's why we have drugs in this world. That's why we have emotional problems in this world. When we don't live in the place where we were created to be, which is in God, we're going to have problems. So am I saying that if we could get every single person in the world to just believe in Jesus Christ as their Savior, that we would have world peace? 100% yes, we would. There's no doubt about it, because the Bible talks about a time when God separates the sheep and the goats. And I don't mean literally. I mean, he's talking figuratively. Those who believe in him are taken to heaven, and those who are, who don't believe in him are cast into the lake of fire. And then in paradise, we will be living in Christ, and it will be without wars, without fear, without tears, all of those things will be gone because we'll be living in what we were created to be in. It makes sense, doesn't it? So, where do we go from here? Well, if we're, we're created to live in God, how do we do it? Well, it starts by hearing the word of God hearing what I'm saying today, hearing someone else teach you, hearing someone read the Bible to you, reading or hearing the Bible read to you, or reading the Bible and hearing yourself reading it in that voice in your head. That leads you to faith. Faith leads you to salvation. Salvation leads you to life in Christ, and we live. That's the beginning. But when God created these fish and they started swimming in the sea, And he created the birds and they start flying in the skies and he created the seed-bearing plants and they're reproducing. Did it just stop there? No, it kept moving forward. And that's what he wants us to do. So I think probably everybody here, I certainly hope everybody here, understands what I'm saying when I say that you got to believe. That you can't get to heaven without saying to God, I believe that you died for me. You can't get to heaven without Knowing that in your heart and living and saying, you know, things might be pretty bad, but God died for me so that I can live. But that's just the beginning. If we really want to get technical, and I'm not going to get technical or legalistic, I guess is the proper term for church, we should give up everything we have for the Lord. We should just, every single moment of our lives, be living, worshiping God. Not going to the store, not watching television, not doing any of these things. We should be living for God. You might say, well, how would you eat then? Well, we'll figure out a way God will provide. Okay, but that's not what, I don't believe that is what God intended for us. But that's what some people would say. But you can do all these things. But keep God in the forefront of everything you do. You're watching the Steelers play today? Keep God in the forefront. Because they're going to need it today. (laughs) Sorry, I had to get that one in there. Whatever it is that you do, keep God in the forefront of your mind. Let everything you do be because of God and with God. You're driving to the store to get groceries. Say, God, keep me safe. Or, hey, you know, I'm having a good day, or I'm having a bad day, God, what can I do to make things better? Will you help me in some way? Show me what I can do to turn my life around, turn my circumstances around, renew my mind. The more we do that, the better we're gonna get. And the point we're gonna get to the point where you're not gonna say, oh hey, I gotta ask God. You're just going to ask God. As you're living in Him, you will thrive in Him. If, If you take a a tiny, fair goldfish, okay, and you put it in a big 100-gallon tank, that fish will grow. But if you keep it in a little 20-gallon or 15-gallon tank or 10-gallon tank, that fish is not going to get bigger. It'll live, but it won't thrive and get bigger. The more we put ourselves into God, the bigger we're going to get. Not physically, spiritually, emotionally, mentally it's going to change your life. It's a guarantee. And I'm not just saying that, it's it's in the Bible. You're going to get better, but you have to live where you were created, and that is in the Lord. If you try to live in this world, if you live in this world, you'll get bigger, but not spiritually, physically, because we have fast food, we have all kinds of things that wanna make us unhealthy. But when you live in the Lord, you will get stronger. You will have stronger emotions. You will be more able to say who you are than to say, I'm looking for myself. You will find yourself in the Lord. And we do that through prayer, through reading the Bible, through worship, through fellowship, everything that involves God. and. There's, in a couple of weeks, I'm going to tell you a little personal testimony of how you cannot thrive in God. But just know that there are people in this world that think they're doing good for you by telling you what to do but they're not letting you thrive in God, because only you and God know how you do it. I can't stand up here and say, here's the 10 things you need to do. I can't put them up on the television and say, here's 10 things you need to do to thrive in God. I can give you the basics, prayer, read the Bible, worship, fellowship. Those are the basics. But beyond that, you take it to God and you say, God, how do I thrive in you? How do I thrive in you? Because it's going to be different for you than it is for me. And I can't say that you're wrong. You can't say that I'm wrong. Now, the only thing that is wrong is if you don't include God in it or you try to pull him out of it or you try to add something to it, that's where you go wrong. But know God. He will lead you. He will guide you to where to read in the Bible. He will guide you in your prayers. He will guide you in your worship. He will guide you in your fellowship. And you will grow, you will thrive where you were created because we were meant to thrive. And we exist because of him and we thrive in him. And another way that we do it is through communion. When Jesus died, he knew he was going to die. He told his disciples long before he ever did it that he was going to. Sometimes they understood, sometimes most of the time they didn't. One time he said to Peter, he said to the whole group, he said that he was going to go to Jerusalem where he was going to be handed over to sinners and he was going to die. And and Peter said, I'm not going to let that happen. And Jesus rebuked him and said, you don't know what you're talking about. I have to die. I have to die. He had to die so that we could live so that he could get on the inside through the Holy Spirit. Without his death, we die too. He had to die. But before he did that, he had the Passover meal with his disciples, and he took the bread of the Passover meal and he broke it and said, this is my body which is broken for you. Did they understand? They had been breaking bread for years, all the years of their lives, they had been breaking bread on the Passover. And eating it. Now they were starting to understand. He had to die so that they could live. He had to be broken so we could live. Then he took the cup and he said, this is the blood of the new covenant. They knew what a covenant was. They had lived the covenant their whole life. The covenant given some 1,500 to 2,000 years earlier to Moses, they knew the covenant. But this was the new covenant and it's blood but Jesus this is wine but his blood was gonna be shed and he said my blood will be shed for the forgiveness of sins and then they said oh sacrifices bloodshed there's life in the blood okay that's why God had all these sacrifices to represent that Jesus would be the sacrifice So he broke the bread and he handed them the cup and said, drink of this. And then he said, do this in remembrance of me. For every time you partake of it, do this in remembrance of me. So today we come to remember. We come to remember. Though we weren't there, we come to remember what we read about, what we've been taught, that Jesus also had this meal with his disciples just hours before his death. Hours before the moment that changed absolutely everything in the world so that we can live in him and him in us. So as you come forward today, just remember why you're coming. You're coming to celebrate the life, death, and resurrection of our Lord Jesus Christ. To celebrate it because it gives us life. This doesn't give us life. Jesus gives us life. This is what we do in remembrance of him. But this is bread and juice that will nourish our physical bodies, but Jesus nourishes our spiritual bodies with his death and resurrection. Because he died, the Holy Spirit could come and now lives in us and we can thrive. So would you please come forward.